It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 633 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live here on a fine Monday evening from State Farm Arena high atop the bowl where I normally sit during during games. And uh, if you're a new listener to the podcast, you may not know this, but I normally like to record after home games in the arena, get, get that on-the-ground experience and that on-the-ground feel to things. So please forget the background noise if there is any over the course of the podcast. But uh, the Hawks lost by a final score of 133-109. to 109. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy, obviously, in this game. Uh, defense was not ideal, and uh, turnovers were sort of the story of the postgame. But... Um, Lloyd Pierce said it best when he said, and I'm quoting here after the game, I don't know about you guys, but that was everything that I expected, end quote. And he went on to say that, you know, the sloppiness, the preseason nature of this game, you know, the, the tempo, the really high pace, all that fun stuff that uh, we got to consume in this game. Pierce saw that all that coming, talked about that pregame, and then talked about it after the game, and uh, no big surprises as a result of that. But still, plenty to discuss on the podcast today. I Normally what I will do for these postgame episodes is sort of go over the top-line thoughts for a while, and then uh, at the end of the podcast, go through sort of a player-by-player mini-breakdown of what everybody was able to do in this game. Um, a little bit less important for the top-line thoughts in the preseason, but I still had some thoughts about what, what about, and what, actually about what ended up happening here. Uh, injury-wise, the Hawks um, were a little bit short-handed in this game. They were without several options, um, Kevin Herter being the most prominent among them. Herter is not technically injured from what the Hawks were saying. He is still not on the injury report. But he had the uh, he had the knee issue that was giving him pain and giving him discomfort early on in the process in training camp, and uh, Pierce was just talking about the fact that they uh, they don't think he's ready yet necessarily for that kind of workload. Uh, again, no injury, no real cause for concern. But Herder did not play in this game. Um, that was announced before the game that he was not going to be able to go in this spot. Uh, both Alex Lynn and John Collins, though, were on the preseason injury update that the Hawks released before training camp. Both those guys played in this game, which is a good thing. The one injury that was not sort of 
thought of and known before this was the fact that uh, Evan Turner missed this game with, with left Achilles soreness. No real update on that at this point in time, but uh, noteworthy to be sure if he's not playing Wednesday that we'll certainly be following up on that and what's going on with Evan Turner, but um, he was the only guy that was sort of an off-the-radar injury that happened in this game um, at, at the uh, forefront of what transpired. So, um, early on in this contest, uh, the first nice play that I, when I circled and wanted, I sort of, sort of wanted to highlight was a DeAndre Hunter uh, pull-up jump shot for his, for his first bucket, and uh, spoiler alert, um, Hunter was very good in this game. We'll talk about more of him more about him as we get going here. Uh, there was a, a corner air ball three from Damian Jones that I thought was noteworthy. The Hawks have been talking about him shooting, as was he, but he was 0 for 1. It was not particularly close, so circle that one or star that one, however you want to do that. There was a uh, memorable moment nationally, I would say, was the Zion Williamson dunk in the first quarter. It was a one as a one dribble right-handed hammer through the lane that got him going with, a, with, with his uh, momentum going downhill, and that did not end well for Damian Jones or anybody else in the back end for the Hawks, but um, in general, I thought it was fairly positive early on. Um, Cam Reddish struggled for the first few possessions that he played. Uh, Lloyd Pierce talked about that after the game as well, but from that point forward, he actually played quite well. There was a turnover and a uh, block shot that he had in his first few trips, but he settled in very nicely and I thought played better than you expect him to play as a rookie early on here. there was, uh, In fact, there was a gorgeous in-and-out dribble from Reddish that uh, before he actually was able to find Alex Len for an easy bucket. That was very nice to see from Reddish. Uh, Trey Young was making some obscene passes in the first half. In fact, I believe he had six assists with 11 minutes left in the second quarter. So that's a very, very Trey Young thing to have happen. But he was uh, his normal self in this game. There was some hot and cold stuff from Jabari Parker in the first half, I thought. A couple of encouraging defensive moments, which is not exactly Jabari Parker's reputation. I thought he played pretty hard on that end of the floor especially when compared to his normal baseline. But uh, he was uh, a little bit lost offensively at times. Pierce talked about this after the game, how they just have to figure out how to work him into the system and all that's going to be happening. So that, that's an evolving process, to be sure, with Jabari Parker. But he had some nice moments to take a, uh, one, one, at least one dreadful shot in this game. It was sort of a contested, you know, almost like semi-fadeaway three with a man in his face uh, with eight on the shot clock. I'm not really sure what happened there, but that was an awful shot that I wrote down um, just as something to note on the podcast. Um, there was a ridiculous pace, honestly, early in this game. The first quarter, um, neither team cracked about 105 offensive rating, and the, the score was still 34-29 because the pace was just absolutely ridiculous. 32 possessions in the first quarter, which is just a just a blistering up-and-down pace. It was sort of a whirlwind to get caught up, especially when you haven't covered a basketball game in a while. Um, candidly, for myself, there's just a lot going on there. So that was uh, interesting to be thrown into the deep end with a very, very fast-paced basketball game. Um, the other headliner that made some national dues in this game was Trey Young nutmegging um, J.J. Redick in the second quarter. I'm laughing as I said this because it was pretty funny to watch, uh, and Trey sort of downplayed it a little bit after the game, but uh, Redick was um, playing into it a little bit. Also, after it happened, the Pelicans kind of stood there and watched Trey Young sort of, um, you know, sort of, I guess, breeze to the basket would be the best way I put that for a left-handed layup that was almost uncontested. That was just a bizarre play to see. It was very preseason in a lot of ways, but that made some news. Um, something I wanted to point out was uh, Charlie Brown, who was the two-way contract guy for the Hawks that was uh, out of St. Joseph's for this year, who I, who I kind of like as a long-term prospect. Defensively, it was a bit of a mess for Charlie, but I wanted to reference that. In the second quarter, I guess when this game actually turned in favor of the Pelicans uh, on the win-loss win result was when the Hawks allowed 30 points in the first seven minutes of the second quarter. That was a brutal stretch of defense when the uh, units were kind of spread out and they were into their bench at that point in time. That did not go very well. There was a point in time when the Hawks were using a five-man lineup of Bembry, Reddish, Vince Carter, 
Bruno Fernando at the four and Damian Jones at the five. That, spoiler alert, did not go very well. Um, pretty funny. I don't really care. It's preseason. You just want to try some stuff. I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that. It didn't bother me. It was just kind of funny and one that I had to make sure that I noted on the podcast because that is not a lineup that's going to work <laughs> at the NBA level right now. The first, sorry, the second quarter alone, the Hawks allowed 46 points. And the Pelicans shot 64% from the, from the floor and 8 of 11 from 3 in the quarter. That is pretty rough. Um, the first half, the Hawks actually had a very good true shooting, 59%. That is excellent. But uh, 12 turnovers, and that did not allow them to really flourish in a lot of ways. Um, second half got ugly in a hurry, I will say. The Pelicans got to 100 points within the first 15 minutes. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where... Yeah, kind of brutal. Bembry had a nice stretch where he had nine, we had nine points in the third quarter um, very, very fast. Um, but aside from that, there wasn't too, too much going on there. There was a nice uh, block from Bruno Fernando that was actually called a foul on the floor. And amusingly, Lloyd Pierce used his coach's challenge as a very new rule from the uh, NBA this season. And Pierce, after the game, said he doesn't like the coach's challenge, but it actually was effective. He's now one for one on coach's challenges. Got that reviewed and overturned, so shots to Bruno Fernando for that nice play. Uh, Bruno was up and down. We'll talk about him more as we get going here on the podcast, but that's something that I want to point out in reference. There was a cap um, in terms of playing time that Lloyd Pierce set for all of his players. He said no one was going to play more, more than 25 minutes in this game. Troy Young got to 26, technically, but uh, pretty close to 25. And uh, aside from Young, only Brown, who played the entire fourth quarter, and Hunter at 25 minutes got to the actual cap that was put out there. And it's, it's only one of five preseason games. There's a lot of, lot of time here. In fact, there's a preseason game um, you know, more than a week from now, I guess two weeks from now or so. So a, pl- a lot of time to stretch this thing out. There's no reason to push minutes in this game. And uh, Pierce did not do so <laughs> in this contest, which included having to basically yank Trey Young at the end of three quarters and take him out of the game as to not eclipse that mark. There wasn't too much to take away from the fourth quarter. A lot of garbage time here. In fact, um, in terms of playing time in the fourth quarter, it was 12 minutes for Charlie Brown, nine minutes for Tajir McCall, seven and a half for Armani Brooks, um, six for Jabari Parker was the only guy that really mattered that played a lot in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, just kind of a mess, and the offenses sputtered out on both sides of the floor. It was pretty unwatchable in the fourth quarter, so I'm not going to spend too much time on what happened there. But, you know, big picture-wise, the Hawks did what they were going to do in this game. Defensively, it wasn't awful. I thought that... As a grand theme, the on-ball defense was actually pretty okay in this game. Uh, I am very critical of the Hawks um, being ready to play defense this season with the talent that they have and the youth that they're going to have. I think it's going to be bad all season long. But on the ball, there were some nice moments. I think I think Hunter's obviously good on that already. Um, but just in general, the on-ball defense was pretty good. The off-ball help side defense was really bad in this game, which is not terribly surprising in the first game of the preseason for really any team, but especially for a Hawks team. Pierce knew that was going to happen, I think. And also, they committed 29 turnovers in this game. That was the biggest theme throughout the night, throughout the postgame. Players, coaches, everyone talked about 29 turnovers, and that just can't happen very obviously. You know, last season, the Hawks had a famous turnover problem for the first three, four months of the season. They got it under control late, but by that time, the record was kind of what it was. I'm not sure it's going to be that bad this year, but when you only have one point guard and it's kind of a mess and transitions and um, roles being changed and all that stuff, you can sort of see why turnovers might happen, but 29 is not going to win you very many games. And they actually shot the ball well for most of the game. and just It just didn't matter because they turned the ball over so often. And that also hurts your defense in a lot of ways. It seems pretty obvious, but it's also worth pointing out that when you turn the ball over, especially live ball turnovers, you have some uh, tough time playing defense. And the 29 turnovers led to 34 points for the Pelicans. So that, the math there is not great. Um, still, you know, offensively, there were some nice moments, I will say. And, uh, you know, again, they shot the ball well defensively. They were competitive for most of this game. 
and uh, that is where I'll leave it for right now. So after a quick break, we'll come back and talk about the individual players and how they fared um, in the first game of the preseason. So hold on one second. All right, and we're back to talk about the player-for-player player breakdown in this game. Um, the camp invite guys, I'm not going to really include. That's Marcus Derrickson, Tajir McCall, who I love but was not great in this game, and Armani Brooks. Ray Spalding did not play due to injury. He has a calf injury and also some dental issues, apparently, that were announced there. So the three invites didn't play a lot until the fourth quarter, and by that point, it was kind of just dead time. And I'm on record as saying that those guys really have a clear path to playing time. So there you go on that. Um, elsewhere... Vince Carter, 16 minutes of playing time. He did Vince Carter things, made, made, made a three, had, a, had one really nice pass to Cam Reddish on a kick out that uh, worked out very well. And Vince wants to play. You know, Pierce sort of laughed this off. He was asked about this pregame, about how Vince might not play in the preseason. He said, no, Vince is going to play. And he did, and he looked like Vince Carter to me. So that's kind of what, what I'll say about that. Uh, Bruno Fernando had some highs and lows. You know, Pierce talked about after the game how Bruno kind of struggled in this contest. I would agree with that. Um, evaluation. There were some high highs, though. A nice block, as I said before, and you know a nice dunk as well in the fourth quarter when he kind of took took the ball at the top of the key, made one or two dribbles and spun and dunked it. That was a really nice play from Fernando. It sort of flashes his upside, but defensively, awareness-wise, he's got a long way to go to be sure. And uh, some highs and lows there for him. Uh, Jabari Parker, 23 minutes of play, 10 points, five rebounds. You know that's going to come for Jabari. His production is going to almost always be there. You would imagine from a box score perspective. Efficiency-wise, not great necessarily, but I thought, again, as I said before, defensively he had some nice flashes for him. Um, we'll see if that continues into the future, but he at least was giving some effort on the end of the floor, which is at least reasonably um, encouraging. Cam Reddish played very well, I thought, for his first stint. Uh, he was a team-worst minus 19, but I don't really care about that necessarily in the preseason. Um, 11 points for Cam, 4 of 7 from, from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3. You know, he isn't going to shoot like that all, all the time, but he has a really nice stroke. I thought it looked pretty clean. Um, there was a little bit of a uh, giddy-up for Cam as a shooter at Duke. I thought the, I thought his form looked really good. It looked really clean in this game. Again, very small sample size, but he made shots. I don't worry about his shooting really at all. I thought defensively he competed. Did a pretty decent job. A couple of nice plays with the ball in his hands as well. So, all in all, a definitely a successful debut for Radish. He's got a long way to go. And a credit to Lloyd Pierce who keeps keeping things in perspective. Whenever he's asked about Radish, um, both in the training camp and also tonight, um, just kind of expectations for him. He's always saying that they have to figure out what to do with him, basically, which is someone on the coaching staff, someone on him as well. But they're just very early in the process with Cam Reddish, which has to be repeated over and over again, that he didn't really have a summer with the with the team. He was around, but he wasn't playing. So they have to figure out what they have in him. And Pierce has been consistent in saying that, which I think is the admirable and correct approach, um, even if just to take the pressure off him a little bit. Just be candid about that and uh, see what's going to happen with Reddish. But, you know, game one was a very positive, I think, for Cam Reddish. Alex Lynn didn't play a lot, 15 minutes, but played well. 14 points, three rebounds for him. Four of six from the floor, two of four from three for Lynn. His shooting is real. That's something I thought about last season and I've been saying throughout the offseason. You know, we'll see what else he has, but he was supposed to be limited this game, and he was, and I thought he played pretty well for what he was able to do there. And finally off the bench, Charlie Brown, 25 minutes. He played the entire fourth quarter. Defensively, it's just a mess right now for Charlie Brown. I feel bad, but um, he's a rookie. He's a true rookie too, not just like a two-way guy in terms of he was like a journeyman. He was a you know he was in college last year, so uh, not a big surprise that he's going to be struggling defensively. But his jump shot's real, and that's going to be enough to get him at least looked at with his size um, in the future. But the defense has a long, long way to go for Charlie Brown. The starting lineup. In this game was, um, just for the record, was Trey Young, DeAndre Bembry, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Damian Jones because of the fact that Alex Lynn had the limited workload and, of course, uh, Kevin Herter being out. That allowed Bembry and Jones to start in this game. 
Um, Benbury for 16 points to lead the Hawks in scoring on nine points in the third quarter, and that was enough to have him um, have that mark. I asked Lloyd Pierce about Benbury after the game. He said that um, the plan in this game was to have Benbury basically start at the two and then play the, the one rest of the game. And I thought, you know, if you had to pick a backup point guard and who played that role in this game, it was almost certainly Benbury for most of the, most of the night when Trey left the court because there was no Evan Turner, there was no Kevin Herter. Um, there was a little bit of reddish, but for the most part, it was basically Benbury playing backup point guard in this game, which is, you know, he's been, he's been that before. He was talking about this after the game and talking to the media as well, Benbury was. And, you know, he's comfortable doing that, but at the same time, not exactly a situation where, you know, for, at least for me anyway, he's, he shouldn't be necessarily a primary ball handler. He's capable of doing it. He is someone who can certainly handle the ball and make some plays. We saw that in this game, but still a secondary guy for me. And the shooting is the biggest thing for Bember. We all know that. But he, he, made it, he made a three in this game. That was nice to see from him. Defensively, he always competes, and he's always credited for that. So I thought he played pretty well and led the team in scoring. So a positive night for DeAndre. Trey Young. You know, it was Trey Young, 9 points, 11, 11 assists. have 8 turnovers for him. That's too many, obviously. I've long said that turnovers are a little bit overrated for Trey Young because I think he's going to have the ball in his hands so much that he's always going to be at the top of the league in turnovers in the way that guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden are. But 8 is just a lot <laughs> for Trey Young. So cut that down, and we'll be in good shape for the Hawks because obviously, obviously offensively he's got everything you want to see. His 1-3 that he made was a pull-up job um, that was very nice to, to watch, but he was still 1-6, of six, so... Efficiency is going to have to happen for Trey Young, but not too much to take away from him in this game in general. Uh, Damian Jones was, uh, I don't think, great in this game. Three points, five rebounds, two block shots for Jones, a couple of nice block shots, which is nice to see, but uh, 19 minutes, didn't, only took two shots, wasn't a huge dynamic option, and offensively, I didn't think, and then defensively, uh, had, some, uh, had some missteps along the way that hurt on the back end. On the back end. Going to need to see more from him, and uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on him throughout the preseason. Um, John Collins was John Collins. 13 points, 5 rebounds for him, 5-12 from the floor, so less efficient than you would want to see from him. Um, it was nice to see him go head-to-head with Zion for a few minutes in this game. That was fun to watch on both ends. They both, they both got each other a couple, a couple times athletically, just kind of being freaks as they both are, but um, that's kind of all I have on John Collins. Not not necessarily keeping tabs on him too closely right now, but I asked him after the game if he was feeling good, and he said yes. Um, basically, you know, looking like he's going to be close to 100%, and obviously you know, that was a little bit of a concern when he, when he reported to camp with a, with a hip strain, so all signs were positive there and he was upbeat after the game even, even I guess aside from the fact he was joking about the 29 turnovers and how that was uh, basically unacceptable which everyone kind of knows and then last but not least DeAndre Hunter 10 points for him two rebounds two assists a steal three turnovers for Hunter minus 12 four six from the floor two of four from three I thought he looked great you know not, not a ton of usage um, which is the one thing that I think is going to happen throughout the season is he's going to be a low usage player offensively but and that also Lloyd Pierce said after the game, that he thinks Hunter's next step in his development potentially offensively is going to be with the ball in his hands a little bit more. But right now, what we know about Hunter is he can shoot it. He, he looked good as a, as a floor spacer in this game. He looked comfortable to me on both ends of the floor. Defensively, he's far ahead of where most rookies are just by nature of being an awesome college defender who's a veteran. He just kind of knows where to be. And uh, all indications are positive on DeAndre Hunter. Um, you know, that's not a big surprise, but I thought he played even better than I thought he was going to play in this game. And uh, that's worth noting. I've always loved Hunter. You know, basically two years now of just being very, very much in on DeAndre Hunter. And he's uh, looking to be every part of the guy the Hawks wanted to go out and get. So that's good to see. It's obviously one game, but even the training camp stuff that you've been hearing, even tonight as I was uh, sort of talking to people about this before the game, Hunter's just got a basically a 100% approval rating right now from internally and also around the team. So not that's not the end all be all by any means, but it's definitely not a bad thing. So here we are, and uh, Hunter played very well, as did Reddish. So I think overall it's obviously a lopsided, a lopsided defeat for the Hawks, but that doesn't really matter. I do think that big picture – 
Um, the most important thing in the preseason is that the young guys play well, and the young guys look good, and I think Hunter and Reddish particularly played well in this game. Uh, Parker, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Fernando, I think, didn't play well necessarily, but um, honestly, if, you had to, if I had to pick two guys to play well in the preseason, it would probably be Hunter and Reddish. So there, there you are, and that allows you to take some positivity into the rest of the week. The Hawks do play again on Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday they have an open practice, which is going to be available to the uh, general public down here at State Farm Arena. I believe, that, I believe that event is free. If you want to watch the Hawks up, up close in person um, for free, go ahead and do that. Then they return to action on Wednesday evening at home against, against the Orlando Magic. We'll see who's available for that game, but that's the next time you'll be able to see the Hawks and also the last time in the preseason that they'll be able to play at home because their, their final three games in the preseason are all on the road. So if you want to see the Hawks in the preseason, Wednesday's it for you if you were not here, if you were not here tonight. So that's the uh, next thing on the agenda for Atlanta, and we'll talk more about that once we get through that game. Um, I am in Braves hell at the moment <laughs> as someone who covers both teams um, you know, simultaneously. So this will probably be the last podcast that we have until after the next game. I will have my normal recap podcast on Wednesday. But if there's breaking news, I'll, I'll come back. But until then, I uh, will be here and uh, pulling double duty. So please follow me on Twitter if you'd like to be you know, check, checking out Hawk stuff as well, at BT Rolling. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Please, please, please tell your friends about the podcast. Please subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, you know, Overcast, all those places, Google Podcasts, all those spots. Check us out wherever you feel like listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate that. Leave positive feedback as well. And we will see everybody at the very, very latest on Wednesday evening. So stay tuned for that. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 